worship. Um, y'all know, as y'all know, I just got back from Africa. I had a um, Jerry and Jenna had to be in Malaysia, and they had Rodney Howard Brown coming in to do a service, and so they asked me to go because they weren't going to be there. They got there about an hour and a half before Rodney Howard Brown preached. They got stuck on the airplane. They got stuck in Dubai, and the airplane air conditioner stuck on as cold as it could get for eight hours. Everybody on that flight got sick. They're thinking about doing a class action lawsuit, you know. I mean, Jerry had fever for, of 101.5 for five straight days. I mean, he, had, he was sick. So anyway, so I had, all, all of, I had Rodney Howard Brown and his team, and I'm telling you, he's a different kind of guy, but he's, he's a soul winner. And y'all that were here Wednesday night, um, when his daughter was 18 years old, she died in his arms on Christmas Day. Been several years ago. But uh, when she died, he looked, at it, he looked at his wife and he said, I'm going to make the devil pay. Now he's over 45 million salvations worldwide trying to make the devil pay. I want to fill up heaven, you know? He understood, he understood that God didn't create, God didn't make sick stick fibrosis, the devil did. He understood it. He, he, didn't, he didn't preach him, he, he, he didn't have him preach a message at a funeral, you know, that, you know, Jesus needed a rose. That garbage, you know. Well, he won his he won his battle with addiction. What? I heard that one one time. I thought it was gonna lose my mind. But uh, but anyway, uh, put up my first scripture. This this is something that I well I lost my tooth. I'm wearing a retainer, so if I was on the first few rows, I would probably move back. I was liable to fly out and hit you, or some slobber get on you, whatever. But uh, I, got a I got a revelation of this scripture while I was in the bush. And uh, when you're in the bush, you get a lot of time in the Word because there's not anything to do. I mean, it's just had a flat and right in the middle of an elephant and a lion crossing. I knew it was an elephant crossing. I didn't know it was a lion crossing, but that's... There's elephant poop everywhere, you know. And so I'm, I'm, I'm a truck jacked up and everything. They put the wrong size lug wrench in my vehicle. And I'm stuck in the middle of a lion and an elephant crossing. This guy drives up and he says, man, you, you know how much danger you're in? I said, yeah. And... Uh, he said, this is an elephant and a lion crossing. I said, I'm not worried about the, the lion. It's 108 degrees. They're laid up in the shade somewhere. He said, they may be laid up about 30 yards over there, so I'd be very careful. He said, I have to change two, three tires a week. That's what I do. He said, you just keep watch. 
and I'll change that tire for you because he had the right, set, right, right lug wrench. And he did, and as soon as he got finished, he jumped in the truck and he hit me, he hit it out, and I'm, so I'm putting all my stuff back in my truck. And I, I see him backing up. So I knew that there were elephants coming. So I jumped in the truck, and when he got close to me, I started backing up, and it was three. Uh, one of them was a baby, and two, it was two females and a baby. And, uh, and they, they don't play with those little ones. And uh, so finally got back, and they, they crossed the road. So within the next five minutes, I saw like 15 elephants within a mile of where I was at. I just, you know, I just said, thank you, Jesus, for that kind man that helped me out because I would have been stuck there. And I have no idea what I would have done. But, you know, but, you know, you have a lot of time on your hands. I mean, you got a lot of time on your hands. If you use that time correctly, you can get a revelation that you never had before. And this scripture, I, I, I mean, the Beatitudes, you know, it, it, Kind of, kind of, kind of boring to me. But this is in it. But it said, "Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled." So there's a hunger, and then there's a thirst. What's hunger? Hunger is the bread of life, Jesus. That's what you hunger for. And what is the what is the thirst in the Bible? always refers to water as the Holy Ghost. Rivers of living water, all of those things. So, and I was reading this, man, and I was, I was studying really hard, and I said, I just don't get it. Sometimes, like, I'll go out and I'll preach, and I'm telling you I'm hitting it on all cylinders that there's nothing going on. Nobody could care if they were even there. And then I could go other times and, and really preach a terrible message and everybody would be like, just looking at me. You know, and, and I, when during one of those times, uh, the Holy Spirit showed me, said, well, the same thing happened to Jesus, so quit blaming yourself. When he went, when he went back to now, when he was in Nazareth, it said that he could not do many miracles except fix a few ailments because of their unbelief. So if the if the bread of life, the Son of God, Messiah, Jesus, can't get through to some people, what's wrong? They're not hungry. They're not thirsty. That's, that, that, that's what happens. You know, I mean, if you want to get your heart broke, be play, praying for people, and, and, then, and then somebody will come up to you and say, I'm praying for food. It'll break you. Me and my children don't have any food. We can't find food. and we don't, What do we do? You, you know, we, all, we need to do, all we need to do is pray. Can you imagine praying over somebody like that? So my point is, 
the more you hunger after Jesus and you thirst after the Holy Spirit, it says you will be filled. You, there's no way around it. If you hunger and if you thirst, in other words, the amount of Jesus that you have in you is by your choice, not His. It's by your choice. If you're gonna, if you're gonna pay the price, if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna stay in your word, and you're gonna, and you're gonna be praying Holy Ghost. You're, you're, I mean, just doing everything you, you're gonna be filled. There's no that God promises it. He said you're blessed because you're hungry. You're blessed because you're thirsty. And I'm gonna make sure that you're gonna be filled. I never went. Guy came to came to us. And was really, really close, really close. And his wife got angry with me over something that was didn't. She just misunderstood what I said, and so he said, "We're we're going to leave the church." I said, "What?" Because I really didn't know. He said, "Well, we're just not being fed." I said, "Well, then you're just not hungry." Because this guarantees that if you're hungry, you'll be fed. Like, like I always said, a, dead, um, a, a hungry man will eat dirt. A hungry man will eat chitlins. A hungry man will eat... He, he says, I, you know when you're a child and you get sick on something and you remember it and you just can't eat it for the rest of your life? I would love to be able to eat meatloaf, but every time I get close to it, I get this, poof, you know, and and you know, I, I and I and I and I look at the ingredients and I like all of the ingredients in it, but I just it's psychosomatic. It's all in my head. I know it, okay, but it doesn't make it any less true. Every time I get close to a meatloaf, man, I'm like. Oh, mm, mm, mm. It has, it's not the meatloaf's fault. It's my fault. But, it, but if I was hungry enough, if that was the bread of life was meatloaf, I might not be as close to God as I am now. But I would have to get used to meatloaf, you know. For the, I hadn't even got my message, but, but I just want you to re remember that that you're going to get out of a service what you bring into a service with your attitude. Yeah. Every single time, I, I mean, I could if I could be talking to somebody about a Buick, you know, and all of a sudden something happened, and boy, that Jesus thing turned on, and you lead them to the Lord right then and there. I mean, it just, it's, I've had it happen. Uh, Hundreds and hundreds of times. You know why? I hunger after the Word. Jesus is the Word made flesh. If you don't love His Bible, you don't love Him. Hunger for it. And man, I just get, I get these, it hadn't happened in a long time, but this last trip it did. I, I, I was praying, Lord, I said, you know, I'm not walking in that, that anointing the way that I used to. And I know it's not your fault. I know it's my fault. I'm just not smart enough to figure out what it is. 
And God showed me what it was. And, and so in the, 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 Nick, the first Sunday I preached uh, in Botswana, I mean, everybody I laid hands on, God would tell them exactly what was wrong. Wouldn't even, they wouldn't even tell me. And I'd tell them what it was, and it was, it, you get healed immediately. It was one of those, you know, and I hadn't had that in a while, and God showed me why. And so I fixed that, and now I hunger for it. I'm telling you, I'd rather, I'd rather do altar ministry with people that, that, that don't really know Jesus than, anybody, than anything. But anyway, before I get... Before I get to my message, I'm going to get Angel to come up here and read a scripture because I don't want to read this much scripture. And she's got a better voice than mine. So I'm going to have her read it and I'm going to come back and we'll go through it. Okay. So I'll use this one. Ooh, that's really loud. So he asked me during meet and greet to do this, and it's 32 scriptures, y'all. So look. Y'all hang with me, but remember, thinking about what Paul just said, that we are feeding on the Word of God. We are not just sitting, listening to Miss Angel read 32 scriptures. We are feeding on the Word of God. Amen? All right, so we're starting in John chapter 4, verse 2, and yes, I'm going to read it here because I can't see my cell phone this good. Okay, the font is bigger. So verse 2, it says, though Jesus himself did not baptize, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called I don't know, Sysher, some of you Bible scholars may know better than me, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. I'm pretty sure that's in red in your Bible. Verse 8, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But... Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said I have no husband. 
For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. And in that, you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The woman that left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. Verse 31. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he who said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Amen. 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 Now, wouldn't you... Don't y'all like the idea that I had... Angel read that instead of listening to me? It was, an, it was a, I mean, it was a win-win, you know, win-win. But what I want to do is I want to look back at, at some of the, the things. In the, second, in the second verse, I think it is, it said that uh, you had to go to Samaria. That is not, that, that's like going to the Gaza Strip right now. Not quite that bad, but Samaritans were, were rough people. Samaria is a bad, bad place. It's like Syria today. It's just tough. And, you know, we, we misinterpret because we hear the story of the good Samaritan. Well, that insinuated all the rest of them were bad Samaritans. You know, they were tough people. They were, you know, the Jews had nothing to do with them. And so when he went through Samaria, it was a risk. I can't remember which verse it is, but, but it said when he got to the, when Jesus got to the well, he was wearied. In other words, he was tired. Just like you get tired. His muscles ache from walking so far. He was hot. It's the Middle East, you know. I mean, it's a little warm over there. So, you know, I mean, all of these things. But I think it, it, it shows me how human Jesus was. That he was weary, so he was tired, muscle aches. I mean, he just got to the well and sat down and spent the disciples to get something to eat, you know. Y'all go get us something to eat. 
So when he did that, <laughs> this woman comes, and she's got her water pot, and Jesus doesn't have a water pot. And so Jesus asked her, he said, hey, would you, would, could you give me a drink? He said, who do you think you are? I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. We don't have anything to do with each other. I'm not giving you any water. Get yourself. Well, they didn't have a water pot. And so he started talking to this woman, and he, the, the things that he was saying to her piqued her interest enough that he kept going. I, I can talk to some people sometimes, and I can tell whether I'm do, going nowhere or whether I'm making a difference. You know, and when I'm going nowhere, I always go back to a scripture or something and say, just, just put it on the word. You know, hey, did my best. Here's the word. I'm gone. You know, who knows? Who knows what that, that seed will produce, you know, but, but always try to. But... So he said, she was interested in this stuff, and he said, he said, I have water that you know not of. If you drink this water, you'll never thirst again. He was talking about the Holy Spirit. He was the bread of life, and he was talking about the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so then he said, he said, well, go get your husband. And, and uh, She kind of hem-hawed around a little bit. And he said, you've had five husbands. And the one you got now, he's not your husband. The one you live with, right? Right, right now. And I, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible is, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. When she said that, you know, when he knew all about her, her, you know, her, her relationships and and all the other things, the marriages, you know. I mean, I mean, think about it. What could, what could have happened? Got married too young, first time, you know. Just and things just didn't go away, and then he left her, and you know, the next time, you know, maybe a little bit of abuse of her. See, we don't know, but we know this: this woman knew men. If there was ever a woman that understood men, it was this woman. Gee, you know. Uh, the world saw a promiscuous woman that had no value other than just going and getting water and, and taking care of, you know, she's probably codependent on men by this time, take care of her husband, and that's all she had to do the rest of her life. That was, that was it. But Jesus saw in her an evangelist. See, did you know that that this right here is a founding, this story is a founding, found that this is the foundation of the Christian church at Minden. When we first started, this is what I kept preaching, kept preaching, kept preaching. I said, I don't want a bunch of religious-minded people. I want the ones that are hard to get. That's who I want to go after, the people that are harder to get. Because if you show those who have sinned much, love much. And so that's why we were, we were a little bit, well, we were a lot different back then. We're not just a little bit different now. 
But way back then, you know, I was a heretic. I had all kind of lies spread about me, and I mean, it was some crazy stuff, man. I left Ginger, I moved up to Lake Claiborne, and moved in with my gay lover. I, am I lying, Ginger? No. Uh, you know, and I had to argue with these people. If what are you, uh, this this one woman was determined to to absolutely destroy me. She's demon possessed. I'm telling you. She she said Paul's been screwing around on Ginger for years. I've got names, dates places, all of this stuff. I said, well, give it to me and I'll give it to the Menden Press Herald and we'll put it on a front page. <laughs> Last I heard about that, I mean, you, you know, but I was arguing with them. I was arguing with people more than I was, I was not being effective. I was arguing with people that hated me. What's the point? That's when God told me, he said, I, was, I called you to preach the gospel, not to argue it. Don't defend, don't, don't defend yourself. Let me defend you. And so I just quit talking. <laughs> as much as I could, it was hard. It still is sometimes. Y'all know how frustrated I can get. And I, I just, I don't, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not that I get bad, I just get frustrated and it kind of turn, kind of looks mad. It's the best way I can explain it. I don't get I don't get mad very often. I just get frustrated a lot. I get frustrated a lot. If you would have had to have raised Joel Gray, you would understand. <laughs> that is the most frustrating little boy. In the world, he decided to take karate lessons, so I take him to karate karate school, I guess you'd call it. You know, <laughs> look, uh, and so we walk in, and I've got a recliner. He walks up to it, cha, kicks right through the back of it. <laughs> him and Stephen Dickerson tore up more stuff growing up. It's a miracle I'm alive to. St to, to it was tough. It was tough. But anyway, anyway. Anyway, Jesus went and he spoke to this. He didn't go anywhere else. He stopped there and he didn't leave. He went there for that one woman. And when he got there, he gave her correction in love. And you know what that means. His correction always brings direction. Always. 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 And that woman went back into the city, and, and everybody's looking at her, and he said, she said, I met Jesus, and I met the Christ. He's up in the well right now. And she kept on and kept on and kept on, and people started going up there, and, and uh, revival broke out. Well, it, it's causing a decapitalist. But what that means is ten cities. This woman 
evangelized 10 cities after that day. The value of people. They have zero fire, zero hunger, zero thirst. And when they meet Jesus, things change. Things change. But in Joel's message, he was, uh, the, other, the last one he did, he had, a, he had to have his little grab up here. His little pocket protector. And, <clears throat> you know, but he said, sometimes someone's mountain is salvation and the rest of it is all valley because they don't pursue the deeper things of God. And I, and I thought that was really neat the way he, the way he, <clears throat> He said it because, see, God wants to work through us, but he's limited by the work that we allow him to do in our lives. You see, if, 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 if God touched you, you can touch somebody. But he wants to touch you more than he wants to touch anybody else. Because if he can get to you, he can get to other people through you. Now, I did that morning service for uh, Rodney Allard Brown, and it was, a, I mean, there was a bunch of people there. I'm, there was, I'm, there's probably 1,500 people there. But that night when Rodney Allard Brown um, preached, there were about 2,500 people in there. Over 1,000 people got saved. Crazy craziest thing you've ever seen you know I mean when uh, you know a third of the people there get saved now, I'm sure a lot of, a lot of them you know, the way they count is crazy they count everything they're worse, they're worse than baseball they count everything and uh, but Rodney when I, when I met Rodney first time he said this is my 91st nation that I preached in. I said, congratulations. You know, <laughs> I love soul winners. They're my favorite people in the world. And that's what he is. He's a soul winner. So anyway, now, Jesus saw great potential in this woman. He saw her the way that she was supposed to be not the way that she was. And he brought forth the word to her in a way that made her what she was always called to do. Because I'm telling you, this is a, this a this rough Samaritan woman. Got around, you hear me? When she met Jesus, there was a hunger that hit her that she couldn't stand. There was a thirst. There, there was a thirst that she had to fulfill. We're talking about two other people real quick, and then we'll get out of this. In Mark five, verse twenty-two, and behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue named Jairus, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. 
And he begged him, talking about Jesus, begged him earnestly saying, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him, thronged him. In other words, they were having their hands all over him. You know, they just wanted it, it you know, like if Michael Jordan walked into a high school basketball game, man, people go crazy, just wanted to touch him and, you know, be close to it, you know. But, but that's the way that it was. It, Jairus was desperate. This is what I, what, what I got to say about Jairus. Dignity must go out the window before Jesus can walk through it. This man was a, a Jewish elder in the synagogue. And he heard about Jesus and he believed what Jesus had done. He may even have witnessed it. We don't know if that's recorded or not. But he knew that if he could get Jesus to put his hand on his daughter, she'd live. He knew that. And so he just threw dignity out the door. He's a synagogue leader. Fell at the feet of Jesus crying, begging, and just, just pleading with him to please come. And Jesus never said a word. Let's go. So Jesus was thinking about Jairus and this girl. And, and he doesn't even know about, uh, let's, let's read a little bit more where we're at. Now, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and has no better, but rather grew worse. This is a desperate Woman, We don't know whether she was married. We don't know whether she had kids. We don't know anything, but she spent all that she had and got worse for 12 years. That's a lot of suffering. That's a lot of pain. You know, they didn't have ibuprofen back then. They, you know, I'm telling you, what, this woman was sick for 12 years, spent all of her money, and then, boom. I'm on, that's worse. I, I'm desperate. I'm desperate. She couldn't live with the, with the rest of the people. She had to live with the lepers because she had an issue of blood, so she couldn't stay. You know, I mean, if she had kids, she couldn't see them. She had a husband, she couldn't see him. She had to stay with the lepers. And so she just had enough. Let's keep going. Back up one, I'm sorry. When she heard about Jesus, she came in behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. She heard about Jesus. How do we get, get, get faith? We talk about it Wednesday night. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, according to Romans 10, 17. That's how it comes. She heard about Jesus. Man, this guy's raising people from the dead. Healed, lepers are getting healed. My gosh, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to him. You know, she's got, her dignity had to go out the window too. She was in desperation. You're going to find the greatest miracles in desperation. 
because where there's great desperation, there's still a great expectation that God's going to do something great and good. I've seen some desperate people get some miraculous results over my life, and most of them were desperate people. I've got a good friend right now, 62 years old. He's fighting cancer for the third time, and he didn't even know we hadn't been in touch for several years, and he didn't really know what all had gone on with me. And then he, he, he called, and he came up, and he came through the church, and we looked, looked and, and he, he was just, it blew his mind. And so when I was in Africa, he said, when are, you, where are, you, are you in the U.S.? I said, no. And he said, I'll, he said, call me when you get back. So when I got back, I called him. He said, cancer returned middle of his vertebrae in his spine. And uh, he said, I need to come see you when you're available. He's desperate. He don't go back through all that mess again. Radiation and chemo and, and all the stuff. That it, you know, and he went through it during chemo. I mean, during COVID. He's desperate, but he's going to get a miracle. Okay. All right, she heard about Jesus. So faith came. Faith came. Jesus was heard. Faith came. If I can just get my hands on that man or even touch his clothes. I'm, I'm sick of living the way that I'm living I don't care if they kill me for being out there. I don't care if they stole me. They can do whatever they want to. But I'm going to give this everything I've got. I've got, I've got to give this a chance. And if he's done it for everybody else, there's no reason he won't do it for me. See, it's not so much what you believe, but it's how hard you believe it. How much you believe it. This woman believed it. Therefore, it's going to happen. You believe, you receive. This woman, she, you know, there are people all over Jesus, and he isn't thinking about it. He didn't, he didn't know this woman exists on the planet. You know, he, that, he didn't know about her. He was thinking Jairus' daughter. And he's walking along, and all of a sudden, this determined woman who is hungry, she want, She had to have it. She had. She had to do something to be healed. She wanted something different. My life's not. I'm not. I can't live like this anymore. I got. I've got to have something different. And she came in and she touched his clothes. In 28. Uh, go to 28 for me. Yeah. She said, "If I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well." Next. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of this affliction just by touching the man's clothes. And Jesus, immediately knowing himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And the disciples are all like, dude, there's hundreds, hundreds of people trying to just touch you. Everybody touched your clothes. He said, No. And he looked around and he saw her. And he knew it was her. 
but he had never had a thought about that woman before that ever. He didn't know who she was. She didn't know. He didn't know where she was. He didn't know. Come on now. But this, this, this is, the Bible's not planned out as a story. These are actual events that happened, that have been recorded. They're not made up. Jesus had no idea who she was. He'd never met the woman. And when he saw her, they talked. Go, go next. And he looked, and he looked around. Her was done. Okay, we're good. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, what, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, "Daughter, go." Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. He said, I had nothing to do with this. You had everything to do with this. I didn't know you. Didn't, uh, hundreds of thousands of people were touching me and touching me. But you, when you touched my clothes, I felt virtue. I felt power leave me. My goodness. When people are hungry, they can make Jesus do things he doesn't even try to do. When people thirst after the Holy Spirit, they see things that they never thought that they would see. These people all had, my gosh. She made, I, I couldn't have made this up. I heard this somewhere. I can't remember where. But she made a demand upon Jesus' abilities. Jesus didn't know. She made a demand on his ability because she heard about Jesus. She believed with all her heart that if she could touch his clothes, he was going to have to do it. Now, what would have happened if she didn't touch his clothes? She'd have died. Because she had all of her faith on one thing. And Jesus had no idea until it happened. And then he was, he was amazed by, by the amount of faith that the woman had. She had her life back. I don't know. And she, I'm sure if she had her family, she would be running back and talking to them. We don't know. We just know this woman was so determined that she made Jesus heal her without him even knowing about it. That's, that's crazy. Oh, it said, her th- hunger, her thirst made her unstoppable. Your hunger and thirst after righteousness, you shall be filled, remember? She was unstoppable. J- Jairus threw his own dignity out and fell on the floor crying. The leader of the Jewish synagogue. Just for him to go and ask Jesus for anything was crazy. But he fell at his feet crying and begging him. His dignity went out the window. He didn't care what people thought about him. All he knew is he needed Jesus to come touch his daughter. That's all he wanted. That was all that that's a hunger. That's a hunger. You know, 
people people know what righteous means. It means it means being right in the eyes of God. Not that you are righteous, but that in His eyes you have been made righteous. In other words, your righteousness is based off of what a lot of it is off of what you do. Even though Jesus made us righteous by what He did. We can increase upon it. Are, are, am I making any sense? Gosh, I hope so. She made a demand on his ability. Her hunger and her thirst. Her, Jairus, all, all of these three people I've talked about. They, they, just, they just threw away their dignity. What I think about me and what others think about me is no longer important. I care about what God thinks about me. There is no indignity in falling down and worshiping Him. He sees that as great. The world sees that as stupidity. Because they just don't know. Okay, we've got Americans protesting Palestine, Hamas. Americans protesting the Philistines. Y'all didn't know that they were the original Philistines, right? They were Philistines and for all the wars that Israel had won over, the, the, the Romans changed the name to Palestine instead of, uh, uh, or called Palestinians instead of, instead of uh, Philistines so that the Jews couldn't, qu- couldn't qu- keep bragging about what they did to the Philistines. They're doing it to the Philistines right now. That's what the people that live in that place are. They're... they're the Bible, they've been cursed for years and years, thousands of years. They're forced to live in a land that's not their own. They'll never own that place. They'll never do anything. They're Philistines. And their, and their attitude hadn't got worse, hadn't, hadn't got better since back then. It's only got worse. They're still trying to kill, they're still trying to kill the Jews. Anyway, I don't want to get into politics. I just wanted to, to let you know that, 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 that the more hunger and the more thirst that you have, you shall be filled, and the people around you will be filled as well because when God touches you, he gives you the ability to touch others. You have to have that hunger. You have to have that thirst. If you, do, if you didn't get anything out of today, you didn't want anything out of today. That's just the way that it is. What I did, I, I, that, I've got the fewest notes I've ever had, but the most scriptures. Because I felt like I had to show you through that scripture exactly what that meant. You've got the hunger, you've got the thirst after it. When you do that, you become unstoppable. And God, you, you, can, you can have Jesus do things that he doesn't even, he's not even aware of. Like that, like that woman with the issue of blood. Had no idea. Whoa, what was that? Don't you want that kind of faith? What was that kind of faith? Hunger. 
and thirst. Hunger and thirst. Stand to your feet. Thing, hunger and thirst is is a is a choice. You don't have to have it. You will dry up. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. How many of y'all want more more Jesus in your life? How many of you gonna be used by the Lord more? And let's just hunger and let's thirst after Him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Father, I just thank you for those that held their hands up, Father. We thank you. We love you. We honor you. We worship you. And Father, just give us that desire to hunger and thirst more, Father, because I, I love being filled by your spirit, Father. I, instead of all of the things of this world, Father, to be filled by your spirit, Father, is the greatest feeling in the world. Father, I thank you so much for this message today, Father, that something was said here that's going to change a life, going to change a generation, Father, just by what you had me speak this morning. Father, I thank you. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, anybody needs prayer, I'm here. Come on.